on this episode of Thinking Well. For the past two years, COVID-19 has consumed our conversations with discussion about masks, social distancing, and vaccines. On this episode of Thinking Well, we take a step back from the typical debates around COVID to look at the ways in which this global pandemic has shaped us as individuals, society, and the church. Have we allowed ourselves time to process the new normal that was forced upon us? Are we able to live with crisis for a long period of time? How can the church model hope in times of uncertainty? These are the big, tough questions with complicated answers. But by facing them head on, we can learn a lot about ourselves, our world, and this new moment God has placed us in. You're listening to Thinking Well, a home for conversations about faith, life, and culture. We live in a confusing, complicated world with no shortage of hot takes and opinions competing for our attention. If you're like us, you're just trying to make sense of it all and follow Jesus the best way you know how. We don't have all the answers. Our unique stories give us unique perspectives, which means we won't always agree with each other. But perhaps in this cultural moment, God isn't looking for agreement. Maybe he wants unity over uniformity. Maybe he wants us to respond instead of react. Maybe he's looking for people who are learning, listening, and thinking well. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Thinking Well. I'm Dan, and I'm joined by my friends Jay Bryan. Howdy. Rachel. Hi. And Jordan. Hey, Dan. All right. Um, Well, we've got a lot to talk about today. We're going to be talking about how the pandemic changed us. But before we dive into that, I thought maybe we could start with something a little lighter. What made you guys smile this week? Well, I don't know how light it is, but I've got something that made me smile this week big. Okay. Uh, We have some friends in Ukraine that uh, are suffering all kinds of interesting um, obstacles and and like incredible life or death decisions. And we got news this week that many of them got to safety. And it was easily the highlight of my week Mm. where I just went, thank you, Lord. I'm kind of one of those things that brings you to your knees Mm-hmm. And you just out of, uh, not out of pain and anguish, but out of gratitude and a uh, feeling of joy that actually had been a while since I had felt like that. So that was a big, big moment. Yeah. There's definitely a lot going on in the Ukraine right now. I'm not sure when this actual episode will release, but, um, our prayers are with those people over there. Amen. Well, something that made me smile this week is, uh, Audrey drew a picture of her and our friend Sierra. Sierra is somebody that our kids adore. And she she said, it's me and Sierra because Sierra loves me. And it was just super cute, like her her recognizing like how much Sierra loves our family and everything. So that made me smile a lot. How about you, Jordan? I had uh, Raising Cane's for lunch this week, so that was pretty good. <laughs> I'm going to go real surfacy here. Nice. <laughs> Man, they just do chicken so well. Uh, that's true. Yep. So, um, can I interject? Are they open on Sunday? I'm just wondering. They are. Oh, okay. yeah. Mm. They're, yeah. Well, yeah. Take well, with that what you will. That's, but. <laughs> that's controversial, isn't it? I know. That's, that's our next here episode. For. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, for me, my daughter, my middle daughter, Gianna, uh, she had a kindergarten choir concert this week. <laughs> and um, just for some context, she is 
fiercely independent. She only does something if she thinks it's her own idea. So to see her in a choir singing with other kids was um, it was kind of cool because I was like, man, she's part of something bigger than herself. She has a, a part to play. And um, there was this one song they did where they each had just a little bit of a solo. They um, have the mic on one end, a kid would sing a line and then pass it on to the next kid. And so the microphone's going down the line and she's looking and it gets to her. She looks at the microphone and hands it to the next kid. <laughs> like, I'm not singing that. I didn't sign up for this. And it was funny because the whole room just kind of laughed. And, uh, was it a the, pandemic related thing, do you think? Or? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you have to ask her. <laughs> so, okay. So today we are talking about the pandemic, but not in the way you might think. So don't turn off just yet. We're actually going to take a break from debating about masks and vaccines and lockdowns, although that might come up. Um, I'm not making any promises. And yeah, we're going to take a step back and look at how this pandemic has shaped us as individuals, as a society, and as the church. And I know um, some people are going to hear that and say, well, the pandemic hasn't affected me. I didn't get sick. I don't really know anyone who got really sick. And I just want to gently push back on that and just say the world is a completely different place. And because of that, it, it does affect you, right? There's, there's so many things that have changed. This is not 2019. And so even if you didn't get sick or maybe you kept your job, this world is still a completely different place and we're navigating new challenges as a society and as people. So it's, it's complicated and we're going to talk through some of those things. And so today I'm hoping we can just have a conversation where we ask what in the world just happened, right? Are we okay? And where do we go from here? And these are all questions that I'm not sure if we've taken time to pause to really think about. We've been so fixated on policies and mandates and things like that. And now we're, now we're as the pandemic seems to be winding down a little bit, we're just focused on getting back to normal. But I want to just stop and just say, can we actually just think about what's happened? Mm -hmm. And um, I think by dealing with those questions, we'll be healthier and we'll be better prepared to face whatever kind of crisis might happen to us in the future. So does that make sense? It does. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's start off kind of on a personal level and I'm going to actually start off with an easy question here. I didn't give this to you guys in advance. Um, if you guys had to describe the last two years in one word or phrase, what would you choose and why? <laughs> uh, I'm going to say disappointed. Okay. So that would be my one word. And do you want an explanation? Sure. For that? Yeah. Disappointed in us and like by all of us, by society, disappointed in how we handled it. And we might talk more about that later. Mm. But if I were to put it in one word, I'd say disappointed because I thought we were uh, stronger than we are. I thought our faith was stronger than it is. And uh, when I look back in the wake behind us that we would call the pandemic, I'm disappointed in how we showed up for the battle, so to speak. 
mm. um, all of us in every way, not just the church. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So I, I have one. It's a little less serious, but so I have a phrase: um, "Hold my beer." <laughs> okay. So I, I think I remember thinking in 2019, like, man, this world is just so divided. We always find stuff to fight about. How could it get any worse than this? And then COVID comes, and I feel like COVID said, "Hold my beer." <laughs> Stuff's about Corona to get crazy. Corona said, "Hold my beer." Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> so, and in fairness, people listening at home should know we all have red solo cups right now. <laughs> yeah. If you don't know what that means, go look it up. You'll, you'll figure it out. I think it was very revealing. It was revealing of what's already in people's hearts. It was revealing of the beliefs that we all held, um, and. Yeah, when you reveal something, you you get to see what what people really believe. So mm. um, it was revealing for myself and and the world. So yeah, man, I don't man, that's a great question. I you guys think off your hip way better than I do. Um, challenging, you know, is one thing. Obviously, with everything dealing with and frustrating and yeah I I got lots of words but you know all of those just to me it's like looking back it's like just kind of like oh, really you know, yeah, big, yeah big sigh and like <laughs> yeah yeah well and I think challenging is a good word for you people like you and Dan for example that you had to figure out a way to for the church to still communicate even when doors were closed you 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 two invented a way for us to communicate outside the four walls. Yes, Jordan and I invented live streaming. <laughs> it was. It uh, did not exist. We, did, well, we didn't have electricity here before either. The light bulb. Yeah. I mean, really, I credit both of you. I mean, all the gamers on YouTube have us to thank that they can live stream. <laughs> You're welcome. I couldn't. I can't think of anybody fast enough. Yeah. No. We'll we'll get into that uh, a little bit later about live streaming and church online and. and I'll get back. Catch you later. Too. Yes. All right. <laughs> okay. So, um, what are some ways this pandemic has affected you personally? Anyone, feel free to <laughs> jump out. Well, um, I uh, I'm closer now to the Lord than I've been ever before. I um, have a better revelation that He died for my sins. No one else. And prior to that, and I'm a political animal, and I intend to continue to be involved in politics. And I am a conservative, and I'm going to continue to vote conservatively. I feel feel comfortable with that. I voted for Trump twice. Um, but um, I did also discover that Trump and politicians in general did not die for my sins. Jesus did. <laughs> and uh, as we got through this, and I, I saw all the, the, the raucous... Uh, the noise that came from this and, you know, these people are good and these people are, are bad and this is right and this is evil and all that stuff. As that got louder and louder, I was actually way more comfortable getting closer to Jesus. And so my big takeaway from it all is, is that I look to God more than ever before. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Mm. For me, it it affected my career path. I found out early 2020 that my company that I worked for was moving and um, asked Rachel and she said she didn't want to move. So I said, okay, we're not moving. And um, (laughs) so at 
you know, about May of that year, I was without a job. We had just had our third child. And I was like, man, this is really not great timing, I feel like, with uh, <laughs> the world, quote unquote, shutting down at certain points. Um, so, but for me, and I'll, I'll probably talk about this later too, but it, it definitely affected that and my, my faith and my trust in God and just holding everything I had with an open hand and saying, all right, I don't know what's going on. But uh, so, yeah, that was huge for me and for us, obviously. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Um, yeah, it's, it, it affected me by just really revealing what I really believed in everything. And um, I think the last two years I've just questioned more about what I believe and what I grew up believing than ever before. And it's, it's led me closer to Jesus. Um, and so that's, you know, with all that time indoors, actually I didn't spend a lot of time indoors, but, um, I was just able to seek Jesus more. So, Hmm. What are some things that God has taught you this season? Yeah, definitely for me, just the trusting in him and relying on him and really, really for probably kind of the first time in my life, putting my, my faith, my, you know, my livelihood in him. And just like I said earlier, just kind of saying, all right, I I don't know what's happening next, but I know it's whatever it is, it's going to be for my good and for my family's good. And just, and just uh, that trust there is, I, it's something I never really had to trust like that before I felt like, and it was just like, holy cow, I don't, I don't know how this ends up, but Mm. I'll, you know, it'll be good any way it happens. Yeah. 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 Um, he, he taught me to keep my mouth shut when he said <laughs> to keep my mouth shut. Um, just patience and everything, but yeah, keeping my mouth shut, like people who didn't believe the same as me, like Holy Spirit would be like, do not talk about this right now. Keep the relationship above your opinions, even while holding my beliefs, secure and still holding my beliefs as like, Hey, it's okay to have that, but it's not okay to wreck a relationship over that. Mm. Um, and so he, yeah, he's taught me a lot about patience and, um, just how much I can control and what to let go of. So can I ask you this? And you don't have to answer if you don't want, was there, was that like a process? Like, was there a point where you realize like, oh man, I actually need to work on this, I, I crossed the line, or was it something from the start that God said, you need to be careful? Um, it's honestly been something that he's been working in me for a long time, probably ever since I've had kids, but just because of the way that we've decided to parent, um, that isn't normal. Sure. Um, and he's just been teaching me, like, hey, you don't have to scream your beliefs out from the mountaintops. Like, just live your life serve me and your actions will speak for themselves. Um, but yeah. And also he's also taught me like, it's okay to care about politics as much as I do. Um, I think I felt a little bit of shame for that. And and then he did show me that I put too much of my trust in politics. And so he just taught me like, you can care about politics, you can get involved in politics, but I'm still your rock. I'm still the one who mm. carries everything. So. Yeah. Jay Brian, what about you? I think related to that, um, I learned to be kinder during this season. And um, 
And by that, I mean that um, being right, or the relationships, losing relationships didn't, uh, that didn't seem to be a good alternative um, to, to being kinder. Um, if you are, are right, you can stand up in a room full of, you know, 10, 20 people and, you know, kind of have your hands on your hips saying, see, I just made a really good point and look how smart mm. I am. <laughs> but if I just lost, you know, 20 friends in the process, that's really not helpful. As it related to the masking thing, um, I never enjoyed wearing a mask, not once, but I wore a mask everywhere I had to. And by that, I mean, if I wanted to, I purposed at the beginning of the pandemic to have as normal a life as I possibly could in the workplace. I went to movies. I used to talk to people saying, "You, when did you see a movie? And I go, well, last, last Friday. And they go, during the pandemic? And it was like, well, they're open. Yeah. You know, so I walked in the door and they go, yeah, but then you had to wear a mask. And I go, well, only for a few seconds. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it's yeah. not permanent. Now I'm really, I literally, I'm anti-mask, but I have a coworker um, who would, who said to me, but it's just kind. It's just kind. Like if the person that you're next to is in fear of getting sick because you're near them, then what's the harm? And to that, I had to say, there's no harm. I mean, if it's if I'd be willing to sacrifice an entire day to help poor people in the inner city and, you know, rake some elderly person's lawn or whatever, why wouldn't I be okay with wearing a piece of cloth over my face for 90 seconds? Yeah. Literally 90 seconds yeah. from the distance from the front door to my table. And um, so I just want to say for the record that I hated it all and I'm against it all. And every mandate that happened, I thought was actually foolishness. I really do. But as related to losing relationships with people near me, the Lord taught me to be kinder and that that's what mattered. So, yeah. Loving your neighbor. What do you guys think about that phrase? (laughs) (laughs) I I think it's biblical. (laughs) (laughs) I've read it in the Bible. Yeah. 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 Should we not go? (laughs) <laughs> no, 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 we can't. We can talk about this because uh, I've, I've talked about this before. Um, like my family and myself, we were definitely more careful with things. And earlier on, as we're all trying to figure out what we believe and why we believe what we believe, trying to hash this out with friends and family, there was that thing of like, well, if, if you loved your neighbor, you would do this. Like it's so simple. And part of me still, like, if I'm honest, like, part of me still lives in that place. Like, I just think, to me, it's clear. But I understand, like, it's not that simple. I know um, people have different reasons. So not everyone who chose not to mask or who was against masks um, were taking that position for the same reasons. You had some people who were just like, you can't tell me what to do. You had other people that were like actually just concerned about like the the science or the health behind it, and we can disagree about that. Right. But I'm just saying it was it was different, and so it just seemed like a like a trump card to pull out. Like, oh, love your neighbor. Like, yeah. Even though I really do believe and operate out of that place, I just think we need to be careful how we use that phrase. Yeah, that yeah. phrase has become a little little poisoned <laughs> to me. Um, let's take it back. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it it was hard because I saw people saying, Oh, love your neighbor. Neighbor is just a mask, but okay. I'm like, okay, but would you go out of your way to help somebody, you know, your, your actual neighbor with food or something like that? Like, 
loving your neighbor is far more than obeying um, government. You know, it's it's obeying mm-hmm. God, and sometimes obeying God is going to come and, in conflict. And you know what's interesting is I never once did it out of obedience. Mm-hmm. I did it out of kindness. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was a whole different thing. The I with all the passion I can possibly muster, and I have other things to do. I'm going to work to get the person that is in the governor's mansion out uh, because I think it was all wrong. Yeah. But right. that isn't the same thing. Is yep. I, I can I have a I still have a mask in you know most of my coat pockets and I burn mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's back to the seventies. Okay, so <laughs> but I but but I never wore the mask because I thought the government was right. Yeah. I wore it because the person next to me um, felt safer. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. What about you, Dan? What did God teach you during this season? Yeah, um, he taught me a lot about bearing fruit, and specifically the fruit of the Spirit in season and out of season. And so I realized kind of early on that... Um, in regards to the fruits of the Spirit, so love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Nailed it. I, I read those. <laughs> um, I just wanted to make sure I get them all. But um, I realized, like, pre-COVID, on my best day, I only had enough of that for myself. And... Um, especially in regards to patience, like the new King James version translates that as long suffering, which sounds like a clunky old word, but now I feel like it's the perfect word for what we've been through long suffering. (laughs) And I realized like (laughs) I didn't have any of that on reserve, like maybe, maybe enough to get me through like a hard day or maybe like a, a tough month or something, but a prolonged period of like, the world going crazy. And, you know, it wasn't just COVID. I mean, there's like the race stuff that happened and then elections and just a whole bunch of stuff. And now we're facing like this unknown situation with Ukraine and Russia. And so God's been just teaching me about, and you got to have fruit to endure like long seasons of difficult times. Yeah. I think we've had it so easy. Yeah. And we have And uh, yeah, I think now we're being put to the test. some things that you guys didn't see coming this whole pandemic um uh as i mentioned at the outset i'm disappointed um but uh basically how we deal with crisis is is what i'm disappointed about because i i I know fully well that some of my best moments and some of my worst moments come in the middle of a crisis or in a perceived crisis and sometimes uh, as a guy with, you know, the kind of a temperament that I have, I can overreact uh, to what seems like a crisis in my world and kind of get upset about something. Maybe it's, 
literally a glass of spilt milk at the kitchen table or, you know, whatever. But this really was a crisis uh, that it literally changed the world, everywhere in the world. It took the biggest, best economy ever built and destroyed it in two weeks or maybe two days, right. you know, for that matter. So, I mean, it really, it had, and then that just played all across the world, everywhere. Um, people in Uganda uh, that have no safety net literally starved to death because they weren't able to work because they were told to stay home. Whereas people in this country, at least we had a safety net. But I mean, they're all different levels mm. of crisis. And how we reacted to it was so disappointing and how we treated each other and that kindness thing that I was saying before. And I'm speaking about me. If there was a mirror in front of me, so help me. Um, I'm disappointed in myself and how I dealt with the crisis and how the world did. And we also discovered that um, the tools at our disposal to deal with the crisis, short of seeking the Almighty, are all for nothing. It's just, it's nothing compares to uh, the strength of leaning on God. Mm -hmm. And in the crisis, eventually, if there's an upside to this, in the crisis, a lot of of us figured that out. Mm. And to that, that's a good thing. But it was how we behaved in it all that I just feel bad about. Yeah, Yeah, I was I was surprised, which I I shouldn't have been surprised by division in our country. And I I don't think I was surprised by that. But I was definitely surprised by the division in the church. And uh, yes, me too. Yeah, it Mm. it was it was tough to see because. I, I expected our church to come together and be like, yeah, like let's let's serve one another and let's come together. And and instead it was a whole bunch of bickering. And I'm not talking specifically in our church, um, even though there was some of that, but just the big global church. Yeah. Maybe just the Western church. I'm not sure. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. I, I want to piggyback off that. And I was actually a little bit hopeful for not just the church, but for the world, because it seemed like one of those moments like your typical science fiction alien invasion movie where like a world that's otherwise really divided suddenly comes together and we're going to like kill those aliens and take (laughs) our world back. Will Smith. Yeah. And you saw a lot of that, like early, early days in the pandemic, people were saying we're all in this together and, um, you know, we, we support our frontline workers, which almost Mm -hmm. like had echoes of, like World War Two, when we'd say, you know, we support our troops. Like there was this, this idea that, yeah, we're all in this together fighting this thing. And that lasted like five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> right? We yep. somehow found a way to like politicize it and find different things to fight about. And maybe I'm just naive, but um, I thought, I thought it might last a little bit longer. Like I thought we might come together and turns out I'm wrong and I'm still waiting for an alien invasion. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, that is interesting because it's not the first time that's happened. Excuse me. <clears throat> um, after nine 11, we were united yeah, as right. a nation mm-hmm. for about two weeks. Yeah. And then after, and then people started picking sides and right. who's at fault and it's the, this government's policy and so on and so forth. So we've we should recognize that we've been disappointed rather recently and mm. and so that we were surprised I'm a little embarrassed about but yeah yeah jordan first of all to say we're all in this together great song from high school musical <laughs> <laughs> um 
Yeah. Um, I, for me, when it started, it was like, oh, this will just blow over pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> so what I didn't see coming, any of it, to be honest, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, whoa, that is uh, not just the two week thing or one week thing or, you know, it's like. There's, One year I've, thing. Yeah, I've never faced anything <laughs> like this like this before in America. Like we've talked about, it's yeah. been like we've you know, it's yeah. That to me, that was just the wild part. Is like, yeah, you know, I figured, oh, worst case scenario, it's like a month maybe, but yeah. man, not the case. So yeah, I didn't see any of it coming. I'm not gonna lie. I did that 2020 vision that everybody did to start out the year on their sermon series was uh, quickly abandoned. I think I remember, I remember hearing about the virus in China as I was still doing youth group and everything. And we're all talking about it. And I was like, it's not that bad. Like it'll, it'll be fine. And so I was, yeah, I was definitely shocked by everything shutting down when it came over here. Well, and you can see the enemy's hand in this so well, because in as much in fairness to the church, one of the things that the enemy did was, is he closed the church. Right. And so that left us to be all in our homes with our electronic devices to try to figure things out on ourselves. And it, that the, our, our social media became our church for a little while and maybe not for all of us, but for a lot of people. And so the enemy, what we wanted to see or what you were alluding to earlier is that we would band together and we'd go help our neighbors and bake things for each other and who needs to get you know to the hospital and all that kind of stuff. But all the mechanisms that we would normally use for that, even small groups, even in our church, connect groups kind of started closing down. And so all the things that we thought we would be good at were taken away. And so, like I said, do you see the enemy's hand? Mm. I mean, I think even if we, even if we're like, oh, we're just doing that to be safe. I think we can all agree that isolation is bad. It is. It it kills. um, It leaves people to their own devices. It, it lets intrusive thoughts, you know, come into people's lives because they don't have this community to depend on. And yeah, that was, that was heartbreaking. Mm. All right. Well, let's zoom out a little bit more and talk about how this pandemic has changed us as a society. So maybe let's just start out with this. What do you think this pandemic has revealed about our ability to cope with unforeseen events? We're not good at it. (laughs) Yeah, our human nature is very, very selfish and very, I mean, at least from my perspective, it's like, well, I need to make sure my family's good before I try and helping anyone else. And it's like, Oh, but isn't that, I mean, wouldn't that be biblical though? I don't know. To to help your own family, to make sure your own family's good before. Like the, the thing on the airlines. Yeah. Put your own, put on your own mask. Which, what does it, mind. (laughs) I, I mean, I can see that. I mean, you could have a whole conversation about pastors who aren't healthy and they're pastoring churches and they get into, Sure. Just a, a mess of different moral failures and stuff like that. But yeah. Right. I think it's revealed uh, that we are a bubble wrap society. We have been for the last three or four decades. Um, I'm thinking, you know, parachute mom and dads, all, all kinds of, we, um, we believe that we can protect ourselves to the point that nothing bad should happen. Mm-hmm. And that if something bad happens that, well, then we need to make another rule, another law, another thing. And uh, in this crisis, you know, what has the pandemic revealed about our society's ability to cope? 
I think uh, this was so overwhelming that what we should get from it is, is that we should probably get over ourselves a little bit, <laughs> like trying, trying to make it so that nothing bad happens. I'm, what was the fish movie? Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo. Finding Dory. <laughs> no, it was Finding Nemo. Nemo. Okay. Where it's like, right, well, they well, if you to, don't, yeah. if you don't get out and do anything, then nothing will happen to you. I mean, right. like, and you want, you, you want, won't experience anything. You want to experience yeah. life, yeah. right? And um, uh, I think it rev- society uh, has proven to not cope well with right. this stuff. That yeah, yeah, we should release ourselves. Yeah, I was thinking about why that is. And um, I've heard different people talk about this. So I'm going to try and summarize some different things I've heard. And I think it kind of stems back to this idea of progress. And since maybe the end of World War II, even before that, like from the Enlightenment period, society is kind of bought into this idea that everything is getting better. So like I said, after World War II, you see just this renewed sense of hope and optimism in the world like the worst is behind us you see this belief that we've conquered nature and you see science develop vaccines and antibiotics start to become popular and so there's this sense of security anyway that nothing can harm us anymore but even beyond medicine like you know we put a man on the moon international travel becomes cheaper so people can start to move wherever they want. You have the invention of the the personal computer and smartphones. And so like suddenly I'm living in a world where I can sit at home, I can stream any song that's ever been recorded in the history of humankind. I can watch whatever movie I want on Netflix. And while I'm doing all that, I can go on Amazon and order a pair of headphones and they'll be on my doorstep the next day. And so that is the world we were living in pre-COVID and we just just expected it. We had it so easy and then COVID comes and then suddenly you can't travel wherever you want. Even if you have the money and the time, you can't. And not only that, you have the whole issue with the supply chain. So if you have a lot of money, you can't just buy whatever you want because some stuff you just can't buy anymore. And so like, it was such a shock to the system that I don't know if we just know how to process that because we always just expected that things are always going to get better and I can have whatever I want whenever I want. And this is particularly like a problem in the modern West. I know you could look at other countries and say they're just trying to survive and live another day. Mm-hmm. But here you can have anything you want. And that's why I think we really struggled with this whole pandemic. Mm-hmm. Well, there's so much there. Um, there's a lot of different things I want to talk about. One of the things is even off topic, but um, the pandemic, one of the things that it's shown us uh, and then what's happening right now, for example, with Russia and Ukraine right now is that stuff that's happened before can happen again. You know, we had a pandemic in 1918. Um, the, uh, the, the world war that we thought we were past and we were moving on from, look at what we're looking at into right now, right now with a, a style of government that we never thought we'd have to, we've gotten to this place where we just wouldn't think any of these things would ever happen again. And now they're like right before us again. And, um, but, uh, having said that, um, if this had happened, uh, decades ago, honestly, I think it would have turned out differently. Mm-hmm. 
I think I think it's the times that we're living in right now. What we have access to, what we have uh, as it relates to technology and things like that, have caused us to react differently. Um, and interestingly, not not remembering our past, I think that'll always be a failure of human beings yeah. that we need to remember our history. But I can remember in 1974, for example, there was a 74, 75, 76. There was something called the swine flu uh, pandemic. Another one of those flus that started in China and was working its way around the world and whatever. And we all had to line up. I was at the University of Minnesota and we all had to line up and get vaccinated. And honestly, because it wasn't we didn't give it a thought. Lined up, we got the vaccine. It never happened. Nothing ever, you know, it was just, and we just moved on with life. Mm. And, um, yeah, I'm well, rambling. Sorry, don't you think part of that is, so we're, we're developing, you know, obviously in, in America to have all these conveniences so close. Aren't we all doing that to say, oh, so we're doing this so we don't have to deal with any issues like not being able to provide or not being able to get food. So I feel like we're being told, Hey, we're doing all these conveniences. So we never have to deal with how it was way back. Right. Yeah, I think so. And so it's like, well, I obviously I'm, I'm not listening to everything that's being you know said to me by government or whatnot, but it's like, what are we supposed to do if people are like, oh, it'll never be that way again? You know, the war to end all wars was over, you know? And yeah. it's like, so now you're looking into that again. And it's like, well, wait a second. We were told this would never happen again. We would never have these issues. It's like, for me, it's like, well, what the heck? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, a, it's ultimately just a myth. I mean, besides... Right pandemics even if we found some way to like the pandemic is a myth you're right dan <laughs> oh wow wow how did you oh get boy. him to say that and i'm <laughs> i'm just saying like whatever it is it, even if we like manage to never have another pandemic again there's still like i'm not speaking this out over our world but yellowstone could erupt it could be like a major volcano and it puts ash out over the whole country and destroys all of our crops or like uh, a solar flare that just wipes out the entire electric grid. Like there's just stuff that can happen. In- Anxiety and levels. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> not, not enough bubble wrap to cover any of that. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, we just yeah. think like it'll never happen. And it probably won't, but nothing's guaranteed. Yeah. Right. But I know we think that, but I honestly feel like we're being told that though too, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's like, well, why would I think differently? I I have reasons now to think differently yep. living in the past two years. Yeah. But yeah. before then, I don't know if I ever would have thought like yeah. that way. I think theologically there has, there's this um, attitude is, that has crept into the West that it's, it's like the sin nature. They're like, everybody is born good. Everybody right. is, right. is good. And uh. I, I saw a comment. I saw a comment that said, this is 2022. How can a war be happening? And I was like, <laughs> do you not know right. human nature? Which right. is the point. We, we can count on, I can count on this, is that people, this is going to sound so depressing, <laughs> people will let us down. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and will again. And there'll be another Vladimir Putin uh, sometime if we're around. You know, sometime 50, 100 years from now, it just happens. Yeah. People that are full of themselves and really believe that they've got the map, even if the map only serves them. 
and it just keeps happening over and over again. And so I can count on that. I can't, what, if the solar flares happen, hopefully I'm far enough north that I can enjoy some <laughs> northern lights, <laughs> northern you lights. know, b- you before go. we all lose our communications. But beyond that, I'm more yeah. concerned about being aware of people around us. Yeah. And uh, so. I mean, yeah. if you look back at history, the doctrine of sin should be really really easy to see you know people right. people are not inherently good that hasn't They're, been fixed yet yeah you and you, <laughs> you know i you haven't seen the vaccine it. for that except that the more people that know jesus i've discovered the less likely they're going to shoot me yes just, just saying the less likely they're gonna try to you know start a world war or, right. or you know be a hitler <laughs> so mm. yeah it's yeah, that that just that comment just shook me because I've always loved history, and so I've always been aware of of what humans are capable of. Probably part of why I don't trust our government very much, but um, it's just no humans are really capable of a lot of stuff. Mm. Okay, um, now I don't want to psychoanalyze this because I'm not a psychologist, but. I have been thinking a lot about um, have we as a society properly processed what's happened over the past two years and even like grieved all the things that we've lost? Like grief is a thing that happens when, when you lose things or people. And in a way, like there's a whole way of life that suddenly just got cut off and we lost. Because the pandemic has been so prolonged over the last two years and we just didn't know when the end was in sight. I don't know if we've ever like actually dealt with what happened and what we lost. And I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Well, I think personally I have. Um, and, and by that, I just mean not because of my own efforts, but because of growth in, in the Lord, really, I've been able to, for example, I lost my mom during the pandemic um, and lots of people lost people during the pandemic. Lots of people lost people that had to die alone in the hospital, being held, their hands being held uh, by a nurse that they hadn't met before and that kind of stuff, so all those stories. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't the case with my mom, but I'm just saying that, that you know, having dealt with loss and all the other things, um, along the way I've had opportunities to grasp things. But my assumption is, is that the world has not that the world has not properly grieved us, that left our own devices, we just want to get out of whatever we're in that we don't like and move on to the next thing. And I believe that there's going to be collateral damage from this, a kind of PTSD. I think that's an overused phrase, but I think that's going to be a huge thing. Um, Two years from now, 20 years from now, um, our overreaction, and I'm just going to call it that for me, my opinion, our overreaction to this virus is going to cause all kind, there's going to be hell to pay um, decades from now. Who knows what our children are going to be dealing with as they're trying to raise families uh, that lost two years of education or, or socialization or whatever. Um, yeah, I think, I think this is going to be uh, something we're dealing with for a long time. I think for the church, um, we have an opportunity here to, to come in and... Amen and help with that and everything and, and help people grieve. Um, but I'm also really excited for the church. Mm. Like I, I've processed and grieved. Like I, it wasn't too much for me, but, um, I think I'm really excited for the church because 
we've gone through a lot of change in the past two years, personally, as Living Waters Church. And I can just see people's dependence on God has increased and their their beliefs have been solidified in good ways. And um, I can just see us coming into a new season where where we go even deeper. And I'm really excited for that. Yeah. Yeah, I think about just on the level of society as a whole. And yeah, I do wonder how how it will play out in years to come just with like all the coping mechanisms we developed. So like even if it wasn't, you know, drugs and sex and alcohol, like what about just numbing out on YouTube for hours on end because it's just easier to do that than think about what's happening. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think we're just going to see the effects of that in the years to come. And I hope the church can be a place where we help people just to process what happened and not sweep it under the rug. Yeah. I believe the church is going to be receiving revelation about how to cope with that in the weeks, months, and years to come. I really do. I am hopeful, mm-hmm. as, as you were mentioning, that that's going to happen. I just think that um, um, now more than ever, the church is going to be called upon to be a light because what's happened has, isn't over. Yeah. Um, there'll, there'll be ramifications down the road. Okay, so let's shift gears a little bit and talk about how this pandemic has affected the church. And I know we've already touched on that a little bit. Um, and there's a lot of different ways we could go with this, but maybe maybe I'll just start with some thoughts and then you guys can add to it or push back on that. I think that this pandemic is exactly the kind of disruption that the church needed. I know there was a lot of negatives and we could say like, we got shut down for a while and people left the church. But I think if we take a step back and look at the the bigger picture, I think a lot of good is going to come from that. Um, I think it disrupted not only our methods of doing church, but also our makeup. So not just the way we did things, but like who the church was actually made up of. And I think what we're witnessing now is actually kind of like an undoing of cultural Christianity where you could just kind of sit on the sidelines and show up at church, but you didn't actually have to be a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think the pandemic has exposed that. So early days in the pandemic, the church was forced into a situation where we couldn't meet in public and we had to live stream and man, I could say a ton of things about live streaming too. <laughs> uh, so maybe you guys can chime in on that. And as as churches reopened a couple months later, a lot of them discovered that it wasn't really returning back to normal. There's a lot of people that just decided not to show up. And I want to be careful here because I know there's lots of different reasons why people may have pulled back from church. Some of it was health-related. Some of it um, 
I, I guess what I want to say is that I don't want to overemphasize church attendance either. Like that's not the main thing, but I can see, and this is based on stories I've heard from pastors. It just seems like there's a group of people that they believe in God and maybe they even like going to church, but after a few months of not having it, they kind of realize like, you know what? I actually don't miss this. I, I don't even know if I need it or if it's worth my time. I can, I can listen to some podcasts I can watch online, but like, I don't actually know if I need to be plugged in to a community. And it would be so easy for us to critique that kind of mindset. And I think there is some fair critique there, but I wonder if the church actually bears some responsibility for that too. What I mean by that is what kind of environments did we create in the past that allowed those kind of people to just sit on the sidelines for so long and then a pandemic comes along and in a couple of months, they're just like, it's not for me. <laughs> what does that say about the families we created? Like the, a sense of community if people actually weren't plugged in. When people don't miss it, it makes you question like, what did we even have to begin with? So I feel um, one of the things that makes me attend church, there's a, a host of them and many of them honorable and good and, and to be with my brothers and sisters. But one of the things that makes me want to even attend church because I feel like I have a job to do or I have a purpose or that I would be, this is going to sound so arrogant, um, that if I weren't there, that the atmosphere would be different or that um, my particular job wasn't being filled or something. Because I have jobs hmm. here at the church. Some of them are little hospitality related things and some of them not. But but the point is, is that because I feel plugged in, like I have this to do or I'm on worship this week or whatever that is, I feel connected in that way as well. And so one of the things that we might have done poorly at before is making sure everybody knew they had a role. And as a pastor and anybody that might listen to this, I would want them to know that even if you're not doing anything tangible in the church, your role in coming to church and being there and sitting next to me or the or somebody else is so vital and so important and so meaningful just being there next to your brothers and sisters. And if we didn't do a good job of teaching people that that was relevant, that that was important, then that maybe was one of the things that the church did wrong. And by the way, just as it relates to the church, even closing, I will forever think that that was the worst thing that happened during the pandemic. Whether people came to church or not is always people's choice, but that we closed the doors I'm still angry about to this day. And um, uh, I'm just throwing that in there because I didn't want to forget to say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think I just want to clarify, too, that we're not just talking about filling seats on a Sunday. Right. We're actually talking about belonging yep. to yeah. a community because it's true. Going to church does not make you a Christian. But I would just add to that being a Christian does make you part of a family. And if right. you're not involved in family life, then what are you doing? <laughs> Right. I think one of the things the churches has done that has made people not want to come is sermons can be, and I'm not speaking specifically to our church, but wow. um, sermons Hurtful. can <laughs> they can just be these cute little like um, pump you up kind of sermons, and guess what? You can get that anywhere. You can get mm. that from podcasts. You can get that from. I'm not going to mention any names. So 
I was going to say Joel page. Olstein. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But wow. you know, you can you can get you can get that anywhere. And what people need is something. Well, first of all, people need community, so they do need to be plugged in. Like yeah. I, being a part of church leadership, it, it's it's really hard to watch people not participate and then expect to to get something out of church. Right. It, right. Uh, and that might be a hard pill to swallow. And some people have their reasons. They're they're healing from another church experience. But in order to, to be part of community, you do have to participate in some way. Mm. Um, and so community is absolutely a huge part. And I think we can create little social clubs in, in church where people don't feel welcome. Absolutely. But I do think sermons have a huge part to do with it where we're not we're not challenging anybody and we're not giving them something that they can't get anywhere else. And obviously we need to teach people to read scripture for themselves and everything, but there is something about learning in a community environment. Amen. Yeah. And, um, we just, we've just been way too happy with little peppy, you know, pep talks. Yeah. (laughs) And I, yeah. Yeah. Even if it's not, happy pep talks like now because of the internet and podcasts and everything you actually can go and find like really good content and so I guess the difference is sure you could go and find like a really solid bible teacher or whatever and learn all the right stuff and actually be discipled in some way but it's still not being shaped in community which is different right yeah I mean you have to live out what God convicts you of in community. You can't just do it Mm. as an Island, you know? And, um, I've, I've realized that like the months that we didn't have church, I realized like, I was like, I was physically missing it and being with community and everything. Mm. And I broke down. I was like, I need to get back there. Not because it, it was a crutch for me, but because community meant way more to me than I realized. Yeah. Well, and two, you can, search out and seek out stuff that won't challenge you either. If you just want to stay where you're at, you know, and hopefully, you know, if you're in a a church, you feel like you're being challenged, um, by the teaching or just by the, you know, whatever the circumstances of it. So it's, I think it's a lot harder to just sit at home and be like, okay, I need to like, make sure I'm being challenged, you know, with what I'm being taught and like really like pouring through and kind of like, you know, just, digging through something and seeing like, Oh, wait a second. Is this kind of lining up? It's like, Oh no, I'll just, I'll find somebody else. It'll be better. Yeah. And even like speaking about sin too, like if you don't have community to challenge you about patterns in your life that aren't healthy, that's, that's detrimental to your walk with God. Yeah. And another thing about community is that just the nature of people being different is going to cause you to grow. Right. So sure. I could go online and find some teachings that challenge me. That's easy enough to do. But like, if I actually have to walk out life with people that rub me the wrong way or hold different convictions, why are you gosh. looking at me? Dan? <laughs> because actually talk about guns. If you want to know when, well, here's a difference. Like, Okay. I was not upset that the church closed. Um, and, okay, for context, like, we weren't closed for that long. I know there's some 
states and some right. parts of the world where it's been like Longer. years. Yeah. So yep, that's I'd right. have different opinions about that. But like for me, and I'm only mentioning this so our listeners know like we have differences of opinions. Um, yeah, I think it was okay just to like take some time to evaluate what's happening. And then as we got a clearer picture of what was happening, then make decisions based on that. Yeah, I do kind of think like it wasn't healthy to have these mandates come from like a nationwide level when you really need to look at what's happening in each state and Agreed. county. But or county, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but shutting down for a little bit didn't bother me personally. I I have a question about that. I want to push back on that because if this if this was a pandemic where I mean like fifty percent of people were dying instead of point zero one, like would we? Th- I I'm genuinely questioning like would we still feel convicted to meet? Because I mean it's still a command in the Bible, and so mm. to meet together, and so I'm like. Would we let our fear of death keep us from meeting? Like, I don't, if they didn't have the tech, if we didn't have the technology to meet online, would we still feel convicted to meet? Well, well, I know that I would prefer to, but to to be realistic, if 50% of the people were dying, no. Yeah. Seriously, yeah. I would. I mean that that would be, but that but that wasn't my experience. That wasn't actually what was happening, right, at the time. In fact, when it happened, if you remember back then, our hospitals were hospitals were being affected around the country, and eventually our hospitals really were affected. But it was happening at different times, which is why I would have been more of a fan of this county shuts down, this one stays open, that kind of a thing. But um, yeah, I, I suppose it depends on the severity of the situation. I'm one of the I'm in the camp of people that believed that it was serious, but not as serious as shutting down the world. Yeah, you know, that was my position. But as as like believers, I mean, obviously it's personal conviction and everything, but is there a point where we should stop meeting? I I don't know. I guess I don't really have an answer for it. I'm just genuinely asking a you because podcast. What if? <laughs> and we don't have to go yeah. into it, but that well, that might put us off. I think one off thing the that track, complicates but. it for us in America is that ninety nine percent of churches have their not identity, but their existence is kind of linked to like a non profit status, which comes from the government, and so we're kind of processing this through like well, we need to follow these things so that we can keep our tax-exempt status. And Is I that think, okay? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I think it would be a lot easier for us if we just didn't have to think about that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I know there's advantages to being tax-exempt and we can help more people and whatever, but, man, the amount of things we have to think through and navigate because of that just complicates stuff. we we got to remember, like, this isn't the only time the church has faced hardships or famine or right um, plagues or persecution like the church has always found a way to exist and grow and move forward so right. and tends to grow more uh, in difficulties yeah or in yeah. tyranny mm-hmm. yeah
If God gave us a do-over, what could the church do differently in a crisis like this? Well, I would, I'd, only, I'd only be repeating the same thing that I've been saying. Is, um, I would want to stay open if we had to do over it. But there's a reason. It's not, it's not an anti-government thing. It's a pro-community thing that I would want us to, to do whatever we could to find a way. And by the way, that, in me, that would include wearing masks in church. I would, if I had the choice of, well, we can be open, but we have to wear masks or we have to you know, distancing or whatever it is we do, I would take any of that over closing the church. Um, so that's that's a do-over I would do. And I happen to know churches in this community that have said already that if they had it to do over again, they wouldn't close again. Um, I, I know that for a fact. But, um, and I would just hope that we would be one of them, that if we had a do-over that we would stay open because I don't think it was necessary. Um, and I know that there are people smarter than I am in the science world that could disagree with that. But it's my problem is, is what it did to human beings who... Um, being isolated is bad. It's the work of the devil. I'm positive. It's one of the most amazing aspects, if you want to look at it from a genius standpoint, of a, a virus like this. It totally worked in the hands of, of the devil mm. and, um, and especially isolating people. I think I'd want to find out a way to help support the kids who did feel isolated, the people who felt isolated, and give them ways to be in community together because the rates of suicide even in young kids has just skyrocketed so i think as a church if we could foresee that like look back in history see how isolation hurts people and move forward in a way that supports people in their isolation and um and just try to prevent a lot of that heartache mm. Jordan, let's say you. Um, just thinking about that, I think just from my perspective, me being in the church, I think I just could have been more hopeful and more positive about it. And so if, if and looking at it on the whole part of the church, I, I think we could do that a little better too. And just like you said, Rachel, just trying to impact people positively. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think for me... Um, we could have been more intentional about honoring each other. I know, Jay Brian, you were mentioning that at the start, but I was thinking about how pre-COVID, like that was actually something we talked about a lot, was having a culture of honor. And it wasn't until we got put in this situation that that got put to the test. And so if I had to grade ourselves on that, yeah, Is I don't know. Anything I don't higher know. than a D? I, I was going to say, like, on average, maybe a solid C. Like, there were people who did, like, really well, and then other times we just lost our way. And so um, I want to be clear. I'm, I'm painting with broad strokes here. So. Oh, well, that was well said. I think as a group we might have lost our way. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, we had – obviously we had two – two ends of the spectrum and we talked about this too you had people that would say if you really loved your neighbor you would do this this and this and then on the other side you had people that were saying look when you do the mask and the the distancing and all that stuff you're enabling a spirit of fear and that's probably something that like rubbed me the wrong way because we were doing that stuff 
And I can honestly say, like, I was not afraid of COVID or dying. Like, it had nothing to do with that. It was, like, I'm afraid of a lot of things, like snakes and heights (laughs) and recently flying because I had a bad experience (laughs) flying. But, like, COVID. Florida. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But COVID was, like, not something that, I went to bed in fear of. Um, if anything, it was more like, I don't want to get sick because that's really inconvenient. And you have to like quarantine and take off time for work. Okay. And also, like, we knew people that um, had like situations where they had kids or themselves, they were immune compromised. And so, like, yeah, I want to do everything I can to help you not get in a sticky situation. And that's all it was. It was never about fear. Mm. And so, like, to hear people say that, and sometimes I'd say, like, oh, I know you're not living in fear, but then you'd see them post something on Facebook, and it's like, oh, really? <laughs> Which one is it? Social so, media really yeah. brought us together during this time, yeah. didn't it? <laughs> I feel much closer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, on, being on the other side of, like, I, I personally felt convicted to choose, like, opposite things of what the government was saying, but it really annoyed me when people said, Oh, you're just living in a spirit of fear. You know, I was just like, come on, like just personal convictions. Just, just let it, let it be. So. Right. Okay. So let's start to wrap this up. Um, How can we move forward and model hope in times of uncertainty? Because it, it looks like maybe this is, kind of winding down the numbers for COVID are winding down I know we've gone through seasons of that it goes down and then it comes back up again what just keeping my fingers crossed (laughs) by the way not biblical right (laughs) touche midterms coming up yeah (laughs) but like I said there's other things we could face and so there's always going to be times of uncertainty so what can we do to model hope well, um, so I've made a conscious decision that I only post um, things that point to the Lord. Um, and as I'm getting into, uh, literally, I'm running running for something for a kind of an office. And this year, I'm going to have to be posting some things that have to do with uh, the political realm. And I'll, I'll probably use a different site. But as it relates to my um, um, uh, internet uh, world and uh, social media stuff, I've learned that I will only post stuff that leads people to the Lord, that the only thing that would uh, have gotten us through this last two years better would have been all of us just putting all of our eggs in uh, his basket in the process instead of uh, what we did, which was we seemed to try to throw everything we could uh, at this pandemic, uh, all the man-made stuff, which really in the final analysis, none of it mattered. What what mattered most was... Um, probably stuff that we didn't, we didn't do like being kinder to each other. So that's what I've learned from it. Yeah. For me, I keep going back to the fruit of the spirit and not, not just enough for me for today, but like I got to have enough love and joy and patience for, for other people, not just for other people, but for them to draw on, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think, we only get that by abiding in Jesus. Like it's a fruit of the spirit. It's not something we work up in ourselves. Right. But like I said, I, I really only 
was abiding in Jesus enough to get me through life as it was before COVID. <laughs> and now I'm realizing that's not enough. That's right. Um, whenever I see our friend Max give updates online, I'm always so hopeful and so encouraged for Ukraine. Um, so I think the Ukrainian church right now is modeling um, hope right now so perfectly, even in the midst of a war. Um, so I think that we just refocus on the essentials of our faith, mm. you know, mm. and just we can unite around that stuff. That's easy. That It should be easy to unite around that stuff. Um, and hopefully when we unite around that stuff, that brings a lot of hope. The, the thing that you just said about Max, seriously, guys, we've just shown the way we act in a kind of a crisis. Right. A mild crisis. If people are attacking us, what are we going to look like? You know, and, and you hear Max talking about how we need to remember to love the Russians, and I go, "No, you don't." Right? No. Exactly. I mean, my flesh, my flesh right. is saying yeah. that. Right. Yeah. This guy, this, this, this is evil. What's going on? And he's going, "We need to love them too. They have families." And I go, "Wow." Right. I'm totally yeah. being. I'm totally yeah. being caught. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thinking Well. We hope that this will lead to fruitful conversations in your life. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and family, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with the latest and to join in the conversation surrounding faith and culture, follow us on Instagram at Thinking Well Podcast. Thinking Well is a production of Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information about Living Waters, visit livingwatersmn.org.